Hey, this is Erin Carson, The Greg Bennett Show. Are there any questions? Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show, presented by Any Question. I'm your host, Greg Bennett, and I have just finished an absolutely delightful conversation with a longtime friend and arguably one of the greatest strength coaches in the endurance world, Erin Carson. And in this conversation, we really discuss a number of her athletes that she's been working with, including Taylor Nib and Emma Plant-Brown, and, and the list goes on, um, Marinda Carfrey, Timothy O'Donnell, and how she's been working with a number of these athletes for, for over a decade now. Um, but just so many great insights and wisdom in this conversation that you'll almost need a pen and paper. Um, so many great quotable quotes. And it's not just what Erin says, it's how she says it. By the end of this episode, I personally just felt incredibly uplifted and ready to take on the world. She's just such a passionate and, and wonderful human being. You know, we discuss how she got into strength coaching and then we really go through and dissect how does she look at each athlete and, and what are the common strength areas that athletes are missing and, and how do we work on them. But absolutely a wonderful episode. If you want to follow up more with Erin, she does have, if you go to ecfitstrength.com, that's her business and she has an amazing coaching business that she can even help you remotely. You don't have to be in in Boulder at at Rally Sport. She can do a lot of remote coaching. So go check that out. That's ecfitstrength.com. Also, Erin can be found on any question in the Strength Channel and she has over 200 wonderful answers on on the channel and if you want to ask her any follow-up questions just go to any question download the app on ios or android and go ask erin a question and she'd be more than happy to answer it she really is very giving of her knowledge um, so go check it out and remember success comes to those who endure just one moment longer All right. Well, today I am joined by one of the greatest strength coaches in the world of endurance sports. She has a coaching business called EC Fit, where she works with beginner athletes all the way through to Olympians and multiple world champions, none other than Marinda Carfrey and Timothy O'Donnell, who she's really worked with for most of their careers. And it's quite an extraordinary story. She owns and operates Rally Sport Training Facility and Health Club in Boulder, which many would know as the mecca for the amateur and pro triathletes around the world. It really is a place where everybody goes to train. And look, she's been just amazing on the platform that we're building, any question. Uh, She's been not only the content that she's created in her answers, but the way she's created this community around the world's greatest strength coaches that she has fostered and nurtured. And and all of these coaches now have this amazing community where they share their knowledge with each other. And it's just been really wonderful to have her on our team at any question doing such amazing work. And uh, I truly appreciate her. So look, without further ado, it's a huge honor and a privilege to just have her join me today. So welcome. And thanks for joining me on the Greg Bennett Show. Erin Carson, how are you? I am so well, and that's quite a nice introduction, and I am just honored to be here. Ah, uh, the honor's all mine. Where, where are we talking to you from? Where are you at the moment? Are you at home in Boulder? Where I am live in Boulder, Colorado, where the sky is blue and it's a little crispy in the air. Oh, here we go. Well, we're recording this. Where are we? <laughs> November November 9th. Yes, it should be getting a bit cooler there now. It was... Um, I, I loved Boulder, but it was one of the reasons I decided to move to Florida. I was like, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the cold. Are you a skier or do you like the cold? <laughs> oh, I used to be a skier, but, you know, the drive up I-70 is just um, not worth my time anymore. Mm. It, it used to be, you know, I'm a little bit older. Uh, it's a little bit, um, I, I can say I remember when, I remember when it was a little bit easier to get around the front range of Colorado. <laughs> and, um, you know, and as you get older and you're working hard and you're working for lots of other people and you're working for lots of athletes, mm. time becomes one of your greatest assets. And so the time working with people uh, became more important than the mm. time sitting in the car uh, to go play in the mountains. Yeah, so, no, I get yeah, it. I feel, I feel lucky that I got to do it, but it's, you know, I, I don't really miss it right now. Who, who are you working with at the moment? I mean, I mentioned Marinda Carfrey and Timothy O'Donnell, but you've got so many athletes that you're working with. I do. I'm so lucky because through COVID, we set up a really good um, remote setup 
So, mm. you know, of course, Tim and Rennie have had, I've worked with them for, for a decade and they have become uh, just, just such a powerful part of the story of mm. health and performance and longevity in the sport. And um, I can confidently say that I don't think either one of them are done racing. Mm. Um, but we've been through two, two beautiful uh, babies with Rennie and, you know, just been really super healthy. Mm. I, wor- I work with Paula Finley and Eric Lagerstrom. Uh, I've wor- I'm working with uh, Emma Pallant and her husband, Jared. Uh, you know, Jared and I were the initial connection as he was here working with Julie Dibbins. Um, and Julie's just, a, just such a, a pillar in the coaching community. And I feel very blessed um, to work alongside of her with a lot of athletes. Um, um, but also, you know, not to, to remain loyal to one or the other, but to really keep the athletes in the primary focus um, would be Taylor Nib is probably the, the most exciting uh, mm. kid that I have going right now. Um, you know, just what happened in well, uh, really in the last few years with Taylor. Amazing. Um, Amazing. She's, she's, not, she's not foreign to world championships. She has done that. Mm. Uh, as a junior. And, and so it's really, really fun to see this coming together. And I've worked with Taylor for about five years, six years, maybe even. Um, so that's, that's a wonderful part of the story. Um, I just started with a, a young lady in, in Europe, uh, Imogene Simmons, uh, who had a little mm. bit of a hip issue. So we're excited. You know, it doesn't have, to, it's, it's more fun sometimes to take somebody who has a, ton of talent, mm. but, uh, might be struggling in different ways to find their, their, make their dreams come true. And I, I really like working, uh, with everybody to bring them up to find their best. So those are just a few, I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but I'm oh, Rudy, Rudy Von Berg. I'm pretty psyched about Rudy right now. He's been a little, little health challenged, but yeah. he's healthy. His body's healthy. He's just had some challenges. So he'll be coming on strong soon, I'm sure. And that's just the athletes that you work with individually on the strength side, but you've, I mean, within your community there that you have at Rally Sport, you know, when when we left and we were kind of on our way out, to be honest, um, (laughs) in that sort of 2015, 16, it was everybody was going to rally for swim squads and to work out. And it was really is it still that way? It's like the, you know, yeah, yeah. it's super special. I, I think that the beautiful thing about it is, Professional athletes or elite athletes um, or aspiring to greatness humans, they're just, we're just all human beings. And so this feeling of eliteness should be a nurturing component, not an intimidating component. And I, I think that between my staff and myself, um, we've done a really good job of just making it comfortable for everybody. Mm. Um, the, the elite athletes, you know, they, their job is to inspire. Yes, they have to win. And yes, their job is to, to find their greatness, but, but it also is to inspire regular everyday people to do more. And Mm. to see that happening on a day-to-day basis within the walls of our club um, over the last bunch of years has just been incredible ride. It Mm. has been so fun. And people love that they're in the locker room talking to Flora Duffy, the Olympian, Mm -hmm. you know, didn't you just win a gold medal? I mean, that's, that's awe inspiring. And it should be, it's mm. really exciting. And you know, to see Taylor walk back in the club and everybody knows that she won the world championship of 70.3. And you know, it's, we just, we're just all human beings doing the best we can. So I feel really proud that we've been able to communicate, uh, create a community where everybody feels super welcome. You truly should be proud of that. I mean, just that not to be name dropping, but more to just see the people that are drawn to that community that you have. And Taylor Nib. Uh, all of those names, you know, <laughs> Emma Palan yeah. Brown, Paula, they're just such wonderful, wonderful people. I've exactly. had them all on my show and loved every single conversation with, with each of them. Emma Palan Brown, I've got all the time in the world for her. She's just been an absolutely mm-hmm. magnificent person. And to see her have great races is always fantastic. And Taylor Nib is funny. I remember when she reached out to me, oh gosh, I don't know, must be about four years ago. And she'd won World Juniors or something and she was just said, Greg, can I have some of your time and how much would it cost to have a meeting of your time? I said, well, Taylor, <laughs> firstly, I'm not going to charge you anything and I'd love to chat to you. So, and she was, but I, she was so curious and she was so wanting to educate herself and she was very tactful about the way she wanted to approach yep. this. She knew she had some ability. She knew that 
what she wanted. You know, she really did know what she wanted and she went about making it happen. And I remember having that conversation with her and she was debating whether she should go to Boulder or where she should go and blah, blah, blah. And she just lent fully in. And it's just so great to see her seat have all of that success, you know, because she is a beautiful person as well. But um, she's just somebody that knows what she wants and is really going after it. And I think that's just, you know, all credit to her, everything that she's getting, she's worked incredibly hard for. Um, and you can tell me more in this show a little bit, some of the work that you've been doing with her, because honestly, that performance at 70.3 Worlds was, well, off the charts, was outstanding. Um, were you surprised by it or did you know that she had that in her? I was not surprised by it. Mm. I hoped it would happen. <laughs> and, and, um, and she had a really good plan. And I, I, you know, this, this whole story can't even be discussed without including Ian O'Brien, her coach. Mm. Um, Ian is just his attention to detail with, uh, with Taylor and with Taylor's training. And I say it that way because I think like most of the guests on your, your show, um, there's always a person there before mm. there's a great athlete. There's a, a, a wonderful human being. And I really, um, I witnessed that with Ian and, uh, with Taylor, they have a great relationship and, um, he, his preparation, um, you know, if we can remember even back going a year ago, um, at the time Ian was coaching both Jeannie Metzler and Taylor and, um, his preparation, uh, for athletes going into races is just in, I'm, it, it's, it's mind boggling. Mm. And, and it's just, so I wasn't that surprised, but boy, was I glad to see it. And, she's just, she's so smart. You know, there's so much going on behind the physical, Mm. um, gifts and manifestation of those gifts. Um, so yeah, I knew that Taylor, Taylor's done enough short course racing and that's your vibe and that's your expertise and, and whatnot. Not that you weren't great at other things too, Greg, but the thinking that goes in short course racing Mm. cannot be ignored. Mm. And she brings those skills to long course racing. Mm. And even if it's just a little uh, U-turn in and out and back and being able to do the calculation of how far ahead am I, how many minutes or how many seconds, or am I losing time or gaining time? She can do that within a race. It's pretty impressive. And um, so I was so happy to see uh, her. She, she knew she wanted to get to the front of the race as quickly as possible. And um, she dressed accordingly for the very, very cold morning and it paid off handsomely. She gave up a little bit of time in transition and got it right back when mm-hmm. she was on the bike. So it was amazing. It was that, a, yeah. When she jumped onto that bike and just unbelievable yeah. how quickly she was suddenly yeah. at the front and you're like, yeah, you lost all that time yeah. in transition, but, <laughs> but how, how are you here? It was like 45 seconds, but it was made up in the space of a couple of miles. It was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. And the second mile, she was up at the front of the race. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty awesome. It really was. And then she just never, never, relented. I mean, she knew what her race plan was. She executed the race plan and, and, um, yeah, just wire to wire. Yeah. It was, well, not wire to wire. She, she was in, yeah. in a good position on yeah. a swim. Were but, you out uh, there? Did you go yeah. watch? Oh my God. I got so lucky because, uh, I was out there to watch, um, all the girls and a couple of the boys and, uh, support all the age groupers that I support. Mm. And, Rinny was commentating with uh, Dave from BCC. And I was like, Oh my God, can you get me out to the lake? Can I come out to the lake? Cause I never have been out to, to the sand hollow. Yeah, and yeah. so she's like, well, why don't you drive us? So I was the driver for Dave and, and Rinny. So I could be out on course, getting them to the top of the hill so they could report. Oh, live. perfect. And it was <laughs> It was an amazing thing. And then their whole timing. So Rinny could get in the booth with Welchie was to get back to before the athletes got into T2, we were going to be parked. And oh my God, that zone one access was insane. (laughs) You found a new new career move at these events. You need a driver? I'm a heck of a driver. (laughs) My dad would have been proud. So so that was super fun because yeah. to have that that view of the race and, and I, I guess I did a good job because I got invited back on the guys day. So we did it again the next day. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, I'm yeah, glad you had a good it, time. It was amazing. It was yeah. a fun job. No pay. 
No pay, but I'd do it all day long. <laughs> yeah, and look, there's some things where it's not about the money, right? It's about the experience oh. and the opportunity, and and that's definitely one of them. I love that. <laughs> yeah, and even just be able to talk to Rini. I mean, who's, yeah. who's a good friend, but yeah. in the middle of a world championship and say, Rini, what do you think? Like, what, what are you seeing? What are you feeling? And she goes, I picked Taylor from day one. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I was like so nervous. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was really good. And just to be able to be out there and, and feel the energy. I mean, St. George is an amazing mm. place. Mm. I think I, appre- I didn't, uh, last year I really enjoyed it. This year I really appreciated it. And I, you can see how much they love hosting the people of St. George. Yeah. It's an absolutely stunning place to race. Like tough, fair courses. You know, it's yeah. like the only thing it's missing is a surf swim in my books and it's a perfect race course. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I'm a strength coach. So the bottom line for me is the, the harder the course, the, be- the more my athletes are going to thrive. Oh, and I, like I think that. that, I think that's maybe why we saw what we saw, mm. you know, the outcome was what it was. Those, the, the stronger, I love, I love challenging courses. I, I think you know, they're all talented. Every single person that towed that line could have mm. won that race. I love that. So. Well, let's talk a, more, a bit more about you. Um, okay. and, and, and these athletes that you work with are, are all phenomenal. Um, you're, you're playing your part, but tell me, you know, let's, let's rewind the clock a little bit and, and tell me how did you find your passion for, you know, strength training, yeah. uh, and then specifically strength training in the endurance community. Where did that passion come from? You know, it, it really started, I was an assistant basketball coach. Oh. I was a collegiate basketball player and international basketball player for Canada. Oh. Um, I'm a dual citizen and, um, the, the coaching, uh, I should have been a basketball coach and it all kind of fell apart a little bit. Um, I probably, if I knew then what I know now about who to be, who to connect with socially, I'm, no. I'm a bit of a, yeah. a wallflower. Um, when it comes to hard work, I believe hard work will get you a long way. And then maybe, it, maybe it won't, maybe you do need to go to dinner with some people yeah. and meet some people. Yeah. So, so I learned that, but I was an assistant coach at Tulane and, um, they didn't have enough money to have a strength coach for women's basketball. And I had a CSCS, a certified strength and conditioning specialist from the university of Colorado, um, through the NSCA, but it was through a class that I took my senior year, um, about strength and conditioning. And so I was like, well, I can do that. So I took care of the strength needs of the basketball team at Tulane. And then, uh, my second year of coaching, I had this was just the perfect thing was I got to go to the university of Nebraska and I am a CU buff. So it was a little bit blasphemous for sure <laughs> to go to Nebraska. However, um, the leadership and the, the programming for strength and conditioning at Nebraska with Boyd Epley, um, was extraordinary. And that was the first modern weight room <laughs> and, uh, that everyone has now, but everyone modeled it after Nebraska. So what does that mean? Modern, and, modern weight room, you know, the, the, the squat racks with the platforms, um, mm. the really high quality training facility Right. when they're starting to realize like, why was Nebraska winning all the championships? And I'm kind of dating myself a little bit, but I'm, that's all right. You know, I'm in my mid fifties. Mm. Um, so I came up in, in collegiate sports in, in the eighties and, um, Nebraska was perennial national championships. Their kids were bigger and stronger and faster than everyone in the country mm. over and over and over. And so that success was really, um, attributed to the strength and conditioning program under Boyd Epley. And he started the NSCA. And when I would go into that space, um, we had the support of, a, of good strength and conditioning at Nebraska, but I, it, they caught my passion. Mm. I was like, yeah, you know, I love strategy and frontline coaching of basketball and uh, uh, of sport in general. I love strategy, mm-hmm. but the preparation of the athletes to be able to execute the strategy became even more interesting to me. Mm. And so when I came back to Boulder, I, I had some, uh, some stress related illnesses. I was probably burning the candle at too many ends. I came back to Boulder and, um, I started working at rally sport and it's just a, it's a Mecca of, of endurance athletes mm. and knowing what I knew about strength and conditioning and seeing different athletes train and watching Kara Goucher. Kara has been one of my athletes. Um, for many years. Um, it's really been um, an evolution of building trust mm. with endurance athletes because they are, they were, they were terrified 
of the weight room and how it might impact their performance. Shorten my muscles and I lose my elasticity. And yes, I know I've been one of those. (laughs) Yeah. But I also had the honor of, of watching um, Dave Scott, who was probably one of the first people in the weight room getting under big load um, leading into competition. And so watching Dave and being able to, to see that you could win an Ironman and, uh, and lift heavy loads. Dave was, you know, he probably doesn't talk about it enough. He's, he's, I know he's in the front line helping a lot of people now, but, um, how much it played a role in his, in his training and racing. Mm. And then I, you know, with my education and my access with some really smart people, um, I think I was able to take what he did and make it even more refined. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's, you know, just a a culmination of many years. First, you have to build trust with the athletes Mm. and you have to show them that they can feel a difference very quickly. Um, and then they want more. Mm. And so that, uh, that is a lot of credit to a lot of my mentors and people that I, I stay in touch with now. Um, when people hire me, they, they get my whole team. If I have a question, I bring in an expert. I love that's that. why I love being on any question because yeah, I awesome. love being an expert. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I love watching you work on your answers. Actually, I was talking to my mom last night, and mm-hmm. she's a mad user of any question. She just loves it, right? And she's like, "Yeah." Um, and I didn't mention I was talking to you today, by the way. And she just says yeah. she started running off some names. She said, "I like Heidi, you know, in the Scholars Channel, and I really like Erin Carson in the Strength." And I said, "Oh, I'm talking to her tomorrow." <laughs> She's like, "Oh, well, you tell her that you know, blah blah blah." I really enjoy her answers, and I hadn't told her yeah. that I was speaking to you. See, there you go. Um, That's you're, you're having an impact, but why? Why? Uh, you know, obviously basketball was kind of a, a love. But the endurance community seems to have been where you've gravitated towards. Do you, do you sometimes think, oh, maybe some basketball would come back in or, you know, what do you think? You know, I, I, it's funny because one of the, I'm just going to refer to the any question. Somebody asked me a question. How did you, um, how did you adapt the training that you need, that you knew before into endurance athletes? Mm. And, and I was like, you know, the biggest thing is endurance athletes need to train like soccer players. Mm. They don't need to train like runners. They need to train like soccer players. And I've had the opportunity to work with Crowey, with Craig Alexander, and he comes to Boulder. And the first thing I have him do is get back to his soccer roots a little bit and work some footwork and in and out of cones and ladders. And first of all, he's smiling and he's like, wow, this is amazing. It's fun. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's actually playing fun. I'm playing. Lunges yeah. And, yeah. You know, we're not doing that kind of stuff. We're playing catch, um, uh, working with Tim Don a little bit. Tim is, is Emma Pallant's uh, coach and he's, yeah. he's a good friend. And before his accident and even after now, which is a testament to the, to Amy Quirion, who was his strength coach, who was one of my uh, colleagues at rally, but you know, playing catch is, is an important part of our, of our training process. And Tim was like, Oh my God, I'm playing catch. This is like rugby. This is amazing. I'm having so much fun. Well, why? Well, and, hang on. You got you, you can't just say yeah. you're playing catch and not give me a reason yeah. why, why that's something. What, 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 well, what? I think, I think that the, you know, when you, what you said earlier, the fear of, of endurance athletes is shortening is, yeah. is yeah. I want freedom. I right. want freedom in my body. Yeah. You know, um, I want to be able to run without feeling restriction or, or limitation. Mm. and strength and power and and stiffness in in the landings. And that comes from opening up your movement bubble. Mm. That doesn't come from training muscle. Mm. That comes from training connective tissue and it comes from training and focusing on movement before muscle. Mm. So I think we we talk about mobility um, and we talk about strength. Uh, We all can kind of agree, I think at this point, there's enough data out there that the strongest athletes are not necessarily the highest performing athlete. Mm. So it's not like Taylor is under, you know, trying to bench press a huge amount of uh, load or she's trying to deadlift with a hex bar because everybody thinks the hex bar is so fabulous, as do I. But it's um, it's not something that directly correlates to her abilities on the bicycle. Mm. And what it does is it gives her freedom on the bicycle to perform. And so the work that I do with these athletes would be nothing without great coaching. And so I get really, really excited when I get the chance to work with an athlete who has a great sport coach, mm-hmm. because then my job is to make that sport coach and that athlete look really, really good and um, just sit back and enjoy the ride. So it's about, it's about moving well, and it's about moving well in a big movement bubble, not a tight movement bubble. So if I was playing catch with Tim Don and he's side shuffling, 
uh, side to side between two cones. And I can remember that day quite clearly. And I'm throwing the ball up in the right corner and he has to jump to get it. Then all of a sudden I'm like, wow, that movement bubble just extended. And it was because of play. It was because of a game that we were playing and um, he didn't think that. about it too much. I love that. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I'm all about play, right? I want things play. to be fun. Otherwise, I'm not doing them. I don't care how good they are for me. I like things to be fun. And you've just absolutely crushed that. And I love the quote that you said. By the way, you've given me so many quotable quotes already <laughs> in this episode. And I love when you said movement before muscle. That's something yes. that, that I'm really going to, I mean, I'm, I, I love that. It's, it's something that all of us can take away, right? And, and yes. having play doing it, catching a ball, I think that's where yeah. having young kids has got me having to extend my <laughs> yes. my 50-year-old body, having to play with with a two- and a four-year-old. It's like, okay, all right, movement well, before running muscle. backwards is really an important part of the process of running forward. Running sideways is really important. You know, so even getting out onto a turf field and being able to change direction, mm. throw a football, throw a, I had the chance to work with Bradley Weiss a little bit during the pandemic. He, I think he was stuck here. Mm. And I was like, let's go to the park. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, you know, COVID camp, you know, we're not inside that much. Let's go outside. And I, I, I was going to just, I was like, you're going to start right next to me and I'm going to throw this Frisbee. And all I want you to do is go get it. And I was like, he's like, like a dog. And I'm like, well, kind of <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just going to throw it. And it was so fun. I was like, run as straight as you can. And then I'm just going to say turn and then go find the Frisbee. And so we did that for like 20 minutes one day. Oh, that's fun. Um, here in Boulder at the soccer fields yeah. uh, on Wonderland there. So it was super fun. And we do a lot of stuff like that. Have you ever thought, I mean, you just say, you know, you like the, the execution before the strategy part, but you seem to me like somebody that truly understands the whole person. Have you ever thought, you know, being t- taking over the whole lot and being a coach or yeah. is that just too much for you? I think it's too much for me. I think that mm. the I think that the expertise, I mean, look at Do- look at Dan Plews. Mm. Look at look at Ian o- O'Brien, look at Julie Dibbins. This is what they focus on. Mm-hmm. And and the athletes deserve that. Mm. The interesting second part of that Greg though really is is like there are so many swim bike run coaches who don't value what I do. Mm. And, and they, they're like, well, no, I can do strength. Oh, really? Can you, you know, it's like, and some can, mm. but it's, it's really deserved. I think the athletes are deserved to have both if they can. Mm. And I think we'll see that more and more. I mean, I love endurance sports. I have a time trial bike. I've been to two world championships. I don't win, but I, I'm, I'm a top 10 or a top 20 yeah, in my age yeah. group. And you know, it's, I know what it feels like to be fatigued on a TT bike. I know what it feels like to get off a TT bike and try and run. Mm-hmm. And so from a thought process, I think it's important when the athlete says, you know, my back's hurting a little bit when I get off the bike and I can work with, um, Ivan or, mm-hmm. or Chris or, um, uh, Ryan Ignitz, all of the beautiful experts in that field, you know, athletes these days really do deserve to have bike fitters, everybody listening, just in case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are bike fitters, yeah, yeah. you know, but we're all working together to support the athlete. Yeah. And I think it's important for me to stay in my lane. I want to work for sport coaches and I don't want them to feel like I'm trying to steal their athletes. Or no, it's not, it's like what you, what you are. I, I used to think about this when I'd get, you know, have massage therapists or anybody on my team, it was always about not only do I want them to be the best in the world at what they do, I also want them to be just the greatest person in the world and want the best for me and what I need to get done, right? And, and good energy and, and that's what you bring. I can tell in this conversation already, you're somebody that I would want to work, uh, you know, work with. It's like, because I want to have fun. I want, yep. I want to have somebody that's positive and uplifting um, and that's on my team and obviously knows their shit. <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Knowing my shit is really important. <laughs> and that I, I've got to tell you that, um, I, that the athletes and what they bring and their needs yeah. and performance goals bring beautiful challenges. And then I have a network um, networking is always going to be important. Humility is always going to be important. And who can I, who can I talk to about this topic and mm. about this athlete? Mm. And it's, uh, it's, it's so fun to, like I said, to see it come together and to see, you know, Emma who does not like lifting heavy weights. Mm. You know, my biggest challenge with Emma right now at this phase and stage of her career 
um, my work with her is just to keep her consistent. Yeah. And she, she's so brilliant. She knows herself very well. She's very much one of my athletes. I always check in. I'm like, am I doing enough for you? Am I doing enough for you? Am I supporting you enough? Um, but she always checks back in. No, we're good. If I need something, I'll come back. And there may come a time as she gets a little bit older where we have to make a shift Yeah. because the young kids are coming up and the sport is changing so fast. Like, look what Taylor's doing to them. I, I looked at Rennie and I'm like, and Tim, we we're having a glass of wine the other night. I was like, in response to Taylor's bike ride, what will everyone else have to do oh, yeah. to, to, to win, you know, and working with Paula, the first thing we've spent a year and a half getting healthy. Mm. So the beauty of her race was she's healthy. We haven't even really started down a road of performance or high performance with Paula. We just got her healthy. Mm. And so she's amazing. The future, by the way, if we can keep Paula healthy she, mentally right? and physically, you know, she's had it. She had a lot put on her at a young age that took her, yeah. that really rocked her world for quite a long time. Um, but in terms of ability, um, yeah. man, keep her healthy. She surprised herself, which yeah. I just loved when she was coming down the chute and I was looking at her face, she'd go, Oh my God. Oh my God. And it's like, yes. Yeah. You know? So so we just little dosages. It's like, um, um it's like chefing. It's like cooking, yeah, you know, you yeah. can't, you can't just throw everything in the pot. <laughs> you, and that's what it feels like to me. A lot of athletes are doing, they're just yeah. throwing everything in the pot. Yeah. And I think we learned a lot from Lucy Charles. I'm not on Lucy's team, but I have, I have truly enjoyed watching her hmm. recovery process from her injury because patient, patient. The, oh, well, patience yeah. and the support, the specificity mm. of her training. And she, she was generous enough to share a little bit of it mm. through her videos with Red Bull and the experts that they have in Switzerland. And I was like, yep, that's what we do. <laughs> and mm. I was like, yes, yeah. you know, and she made the couple comments is like, you know, she thought it was about deadlifting. She thought it was about back squatting. She thought it was about rowing. And then all of a sudden she's got a dowel, two hands overhead, and she's just going through a full extension of the big toe and of the foot. And, and I'm like, that's the ticket. So, mm. you know, Lucy has had a great year, even despite her injury and she'll be dangerous in the future because she knows a little bit about the magic. Mm. And now many people do too, who are listening to your podcast. Well, because well she's got a great team around things, her. And, and those yeah. little things, having a great team, knowledgeable people and consistency and patience. I mean, it's, yeah, watching her come back this year was something something special because when I reached out to her to say, hey, do you want to come back on the podcast, you know, and have a conversation about yeah. your injury, which is a, <laughs> that is not when you want to be invited onto a podcast, but both her and right. Jan Ferdino both came on and talked about their injuries. And because um, it's, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, come on my podcast, you're a world champion. Yeah, I'd love to chat. Um, but she came back yeah. on and, and, and I remember thinking, Oh yeah, she, she she's going to come back and come back stronger. Just the, what she had put in place. So, um, are you finding you learn more by just continually working with athletes, and you're getting this constant feedback, or are you learning from talking to other strength coaches, or are you learning from research? How are you learning and developing and growing? Yes, <laughs> the answer is the answer is yes because. Because all of those things are important. It's funny because most of the research is done on males, 20 to 29. Mm. And I train a couple of them. And I'm like, okay, so most of the research will pertain to what we do with you. But it's not done on 24-year-old female. The research is not done on Taylor Nib. <laughs> the research is not done on Marinda Carfrey. The research is not done on Timothy at 42 years of age. And so Frank Shorter, who was a member at Rally Sport for a long time, and I love talking to Frank because he was doing things correctly before there was research. And he would say, anecdotally speaking, we knew that taking Coke during a race would be good mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. Anecdotally speaking, we couldn't measure lactate, but we were amazingly tra training right at lactate threshold for mm -hmm. the marathon. You know, and, and so I think that experience... And listening to the athlete, how does that feel, mm. can very much uh, be more important than what a research paper says. And when Tim comes in and I say, how do you feel? And he goes, I feel good. And we had been doing something that maybe was a little bit short on rest periods, or we had done more hip flexor work, or we had done heavy load after a six-hour bike ride, or we had done... But he felt good, and that's all that really matters. Mm. And so we want that to keep going, because if he feels good, 
he's training well. Yeah. Actually, big shout out to Frank Shorter. He was our neighbor in Boulder. I think we sold our houses about a month apart. Um, but I used to have him come on the deck and, and exactly like you were saying, and I was asking him about like, how did you know what kind of altitude yeah. training, training to work? And he'd be like, well, there wasn't any research, but we just experimented <laughs> and we knew what we would say is that 5,000 feet is one increment, 6,000 feet, 7,000 feet, and every 1,000 feet thereafter is an extra increment. And so we used to, to call our training mm-hmm. by increments. He said, so, you know, boulders, one increment. That's a training ground for one increment altitude training. Then we'd have our place in Vail and that would be a, a three increment training. So that'd be that kind of a workout that we do. And, and this was just through self-experimentation, you know, in, in the 70s. And I just would sit on the deck and just be like, oh. Keep going, yeah. Frank. Yeah, he was amazing exactly. like that. <laughs> I love it. He's so he's so great. And sometimes it's like, okay, I got to go. <laughs> oh, big <laughs> like, time. Oh, no, no, no. You know? no. He, he enjoys a chat. <laughs> he definitely enjoys a chat. And I think I'm going to be much like Frank yeah. in the next 20, 30 years too. Oh, so, it's, uh, a, it's just a gift of time. I know. The time that we get to spend with people like that is amazing. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think it's all of the above. And then there's times when I, I can't make sense of something. Mm. And I might call Lawrence Van Lingen. Lawrence is wonderful. Um, and has really helped shape a lot of the peacefulness of of the beauty when it's flowing and it's just you're floating. He describes running a lot like mm-hmm. floating. And, um, Michelle Dalcourt, who is a, the inventor of a tool that I use a lot, the Viper, and mm-hmm. he we really talk a lot about the healthiest athletes. The, he's a we're all Canadian, so we we bond around hockey a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, that the healthiest hockey players were raised on farms and we can say that, you know, throwing bales and digging holes and chasing cows and all of that stuff is a really good way for a young athlete to start as they start to get into more specialization. So Michelle offers a lot. Like we talked a lot. I'll give you a great example because most people who are triathlon fans have watched Timothy O'Donnell run. Mm. He did amazing this year. Uh, It was just such a fast day in Kona, but he still runs this way to this day. He's got a little tilt to the right with his head. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, maybe we should fix that. You know, this was early. This was in the first year or two that I was with Tim. And I was like, maybe we should fix the neck. Like what's going on with that? And I called Michelle and I'm like, Michelle, I'm I'm thinking that I've got this great athlete and we need to fix his head. It's crooked. (laughs) And so Michelle was like, Aaron, don't touch the head. Mm -hmm. He's one of the best in the world. That head is sitting there for a reason. And the fascial lines Mm -hmm. that connect his Mm -hmm. entire body (laughs) allow him to to release the beast and, and be brilliant. So he goes, we'll watch it. And if he, you know, something as he starts to progress and get faster and faster, if some niggles show up or whatever, it's because, yeah, we can go back and relook at it. But there's not this perfect quote unquote, um, there's never perfect. It's just fast and pain free. I love that you said that. I love that you said that. One of the things that off put me, um, I remember making my first world championship team in 94 and and, and you had to get a medical screening by the Australian team doctor. And I remember her saying it to me, and I was 22 at the time. She said, Greg, with your body, you're not going to have a career. And I remember going, screw you. Like I was really like, okay, yeah. now I'm out to prove you. <laughs> prove you. But it was yeah. kind of my, my chiropractor down here, Dr. Alex Keith, who I talk about on the show a bit. And one of these days I need you to meet him just because he's been a great guy in my career. And, um, and he would just call me the bumblebee. He said, Greg, I don't know how you're doing half of what you're doing and I'm not going to mess it up, but you seem to be able to still keep going. (laughs) And it was like that relationship with knowing that we all have our quirks, that we're all slightly different, that we have to approach it slightly differently, um, you know, it is the only way forward. You you can't be trying to change everybody and make them all in a line. And I used to love watching the Kenyans and we'd all say, I have to run like this. And then you see some of these (laughs) Kenyan runners be like, "Mm, no, you don't. You can you can no. move across the ground any way you can. Exactly. Yeah. So we're not trying to fix things. We're no. trying to work within the brilliance of the body and and allowing it to work. And then over time, and that's where patience and commitment to the process mm. um, become quite exciting. You know, the first year, like I said, with Paula, even though I've, I was with Paula um, right out of uh, the Canadian program, uh, she was down here working with Siri Lindley, oh, and I remember uh, that. Yeah. Paula came to me pretty pretty broken. And we, we worked together for a period of years there. And then she went away from us from a, for a little bit and then now she's back. And, you know, the biggest thing is just for her is going to be to just decrease the mechanical feel and look 
to mm. how she runs mm. and just to get her to be able to relax yeah, and free flow. up some energy. It takes a lot of energy to hold tension in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, so decreasing tension and just allowing that freedom. And that's the beauty. I, I got a quote, um, Rudy Von Berg from last week. Uh, he, the, the YouTube stuff is so fun. I mean, I get to see Rudy, but I, I watch all of their shows too. <laughs> and he said, some guy was doing a triathlon. And he goes, my goal is to suffer out there. He goes, why would you want to suffer? He goes, that's not the kind of suffering you want to do. He goes, the kind of suffering I want to do is when I'm feeling really good. I know I'm going fast and I push into the suffering. He goes, now that kind of suffering I can get my head around. Yeah. Management. That, management. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was really, I was like, that's awesome. That's yeah, very, yeah. we're going to remember that one. No, I, I, I like that a lot. I know it's a, it's an interesting um, way of approaching it. We tend to still have this mentality of tough is better and hard and strong. And it's like, no, it's like running, running for me was always the ultimate dance. It was like the most perfect timing. And when you felt the timing with your your breathing, with the way your foot hits the ground and the way it's placed under your body, and when you get that timing right, you can almost feel your brain tapping the top of your skull. Like it's just this perfect like boom, boom, boom. And and, and everything's moving together. And you you said earlier, the flow. It's like having that flow state or, or that ultimate dance just moving. I was like, that's what you're trying to get. And what I noticed as I got older in my career was like, it became a little bit harder to find that dance. You know, it's just as yep. we just things start to shorten up a little bit. It was like, oh, and there was a lot of miles in the body. It was like, oh, but it, it is the ultimate. So how, how much of your training is like for your athletes that come in, is it about sort of injury sort of reduction or, you know, or is it about yeah. op- optimizing performance, like improving performance? Is it one it, and the same? It's, or? Uh, it's really both. Yeah. It's, yeah. An, evol- it's an evolution. Yeah. Um, uh, and working with the sport coach um, to really to really understand the demands of the training that are being asked, and then not to put upon what has already been put upon. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, I don't talk to the strength coach because everybody's busy, and the athlete comes in, and I'm and I do a little questionnaire. Like it's not that I don't not ticking boxes or anything. It's very informal because I have nice friendship with most of them. But sometimes I have one thing planned um, and it, it just gets thrown out the window because that's not what that athlete needs on that day. So to have that ability to be adaptable as right. the strength coach and not impose um, what I want necessarily. Um, so we know in coaching and performance, um, the theory and the, the, the concept of progressive overload. Mm. And in strength and conditioning, that's a really, really, really important concept when you're building strength. Mm. However, when you're dealing with an athlete that's training 20 to 30 hours a week, or even 15 to 20 hours a week, the strength program is either going to be more, you're going to put the athlete at risk because they're coming in in a fatigued state. If you continue to fight with their progressive overload in their training. Mm. You know what I mean? No, this is what I was wanting to lead you into. I I was actually wanting to talk about this, like how much correspondence you have with the coach and the athlete about like, say I've just run hills or stairs or I've done big gear work on the bike or I've dragged a a towel around in the water, you know, how much of that then impacts the work that you give them? It changes. I think the most, one of the most important things I've added to my repertoire as a, as a, you know, I've kind of changed my title a little bit to health and human performance Mm. specialist because the foundation training from Dr. Eric Goodman has become a really foundational way for me to unload or deload an athlete, still put tension into the body, still work the movement bubble, but maintain the the trust that the athlete knows that when they come see me, I'm not going to crush them when they've already been crushed. Mm. That trust is really important. There are days when it's incredibly important that even though they're tired, that they come in and they do work. Mm. And those days happen, but they don't happen that often because you're balancing between risk and reward. Are they coming in in terms of timing? Uh, Have you found this mostly in the afternoons after the swim, bike and runs have been done? Or do you sometimes set them up for the day by doing, turning them on strength work? My you know, my philosophy and, you know, it's, it's being challenged a little bit and every athlete is going to be a little bit different, mm. but my goal is to get them out of their hardest session of the day and 
let them eat really quick and then don't shower and come to the gym because I want them to be able to have as much recovery time as possible. Mm. So if you figure that they, like we call it terrible Tuesdays, you know, (laughs) they're usually going to go to the track and then have a hard swim and then do gym. Mm. If they can just get all three of those done at once, then they're done. Then they're, when they go home, <laughs> Oh, you're preaching done. to the choir. You are pre- right? preaching to the choir. <laughs> Laura and I, by the end of it, I was wrapping everything up because it took me so long to warm up that I was yes. like, you know what? I'm just going to do my 10K run, do my 90K bike. I'm then going to go to swim squat at 11. And guess what? I'm done for the afternoon. <laughs> it's like I don't need to warm yes. up again. And uh, who did I have living with us? Andreas Raylert and his brother Michael uh-huh. Raylert came and stayed with us for about six or eight weeks. And, you know, Andreas was, I think he had three or four seconds at Kona Ironman and great athlete and just wonderful human beings, both of us. But being German, they would do one workout at about 8 a.m., another one at about 2 p.m., and then they would head out for their long ride at 5 p.m. Oh. and ride till 9 o'clock or whatever. And I'd be sitting on the couch at <laughs> one o'clock being done for the day. I got up at four or five and, and, I, and they're like, you're mad. I was like, no, I can't, I don't want to have to keep doing a whole night. I like to just keep warmed up. So you and I are on the same page with yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's a good page. And mm. I think, you know, if an athlete likes it and if you can get them to like it, because when they go home, they go home. Mm. They don't have to come back to the gym. Yeah. You know, there's some, there's some athletes that don't mind doing that, but they don't, typically do it for years. No, no, that's true. They'll come to me and I'll be like, okay, if that's what you want to do, that's good. Go home, eat, nap, watch a little TV and then come back in gym. And by then they're truly ready to (laughs) go to sleep. And it does um, interrupt the the repair and recovery um, process Mm. as well. And so are that, is that athlete really recovering as well as they could? So I try to keep everything pretty condensed, um, 30 to 45 minutes in the gym. We try to really be personalized and targeted. We're very sniper-like in how we approach each athlete. There's mm-hmm. definitely a process, definitely a system, but every athlete still has their unique needs, whether they're remote, whether they're virtual, whether they're in person. It might take me a couple of months to really become targeted. Um, they start very broad, and then we get more and more dialed to who they are and what they need. Yeah, I like that. That's why I'm not actually asking you too many questions about what you know, what specifically should should somebody do because I think from what I understand is you really do need to look at that individual and look for their areas of where they can improve, right? Um, do, yeah. Do, do, you, um, do you help an athlete? Do you look at the hot and cold type therapy stuff, you know, does heat work and are you involved in that side of things? Not, not a really close, I mean, I, yeah, no, I, I love following it because yeah. good God, I, everybody's like, Oh, don't do ice. Do ice? eat the whole <laughs> egg, only ate the yolk. You know, it's like, it's like the bottom line is, you know, and then they were like, well, ice only works for women. It doesn't work for men. Oh, is that and a then, thing now? <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, it's like, okay, well, let's just, again, the, the privilege and honor of being able to watch some of the world's best, like Tim Don loved the ice bath, yeah. ice bath. Yeah. So don't, don't tell me that it doesn't make him feel better because he wouldn't do it if it didn't. Yeah. No. So I think it's truly individual and they can do all the research they want about when you sprain your ankle, you shouldn't put ice on it. But I've had more ankle problems in the last five years. And if I don't put ice on my ankles, they don't heal. Yeah. So it works for me. It doesn't mean it does. It, it doesn't oh, work for everybody. And I think so in, in any performance, you can't deny anything no. to anybody. It's like, Hey, if that worked, you do you. That's amazing. Like, let's go. So I think there's, we, we're still so early in learning Isn't that about, the best? um, I love the, the, the sport is evolving, right? Mm-hmm. Like these, these kids, like Flora is figuring out that she's a short course, like a sprint, an Olympic distance athlete, I know she's intrigued by that longer distances. She's going to get it. Mm. She came fifth in the world. That doesn't, you know, that's not a bad oh, result. Oh, we're still focusing on, a, I imagine Bermuda was still her focus too. I mean, she had oh to win that, that world yeah. series race that she just won. I mean, she's And Taylor it. seems to be able to do really well, you know, on the Olympic distance and a little bit longer distance, but the, the sprinting stuff is, is really hard. Yeah. yeah. You know, she, they're all capable, but and then watching Christian and Gustav do what they're doing. It's, it's, you know, the, the ability to go Ironman, half Ironman or 70.3 or hundred K yeah. or 
you know, and now to watch them in Bermuda this weekend was, was amazing. It really was amazing. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. so, so in the field that you're in, you obviously love to learn, like we mentioned, is there, mm-hmm. what's the most interesting thing that you're sort of learning at the moment? Is there new studies or uh, new ways of doing things? Yeah. What's most interesting? <laughs> The most exciting thing for me right now is is really breath work hmm. and the in, the impact of the diaphragm and the pelvic floor and uh, the length between the ribs and the hips and creating space for the organs and how that works with uh, hip decoupling and freedom within the hips and neutral pelvis and, and it and it all stems. I mean, if we look at where the psoas attaches and everybody blames the psoas for so many things, right? It's like, oh my psoas is tight. And it's like, well trust me, it's not just your psoas. It's yeah. lots of things. I'm one of those and, people I think I would yeah. blame everything on the psoas. Yeah, blame everything. That poor the poor guy. He gets blamed for everything. But it, from where he attaches it, it or originates up on the spine. Mm. It's amazing that if you just take a big breath and can create space between your ribs and your hips, you are lengthening the psoas. You are stretching the psoas. Wow. And you're, when you, the psoas drop, or excuse me, when the diaphragm drops and how that interacts with the pelvic floor to, to free up the movement of the pelvis, you know, that's, that's really interesting stuff. And how do we train that? And mm. then how do we drop into the sacrum so that we're not experiencing that big anterior tilt? Um, and how do we train that? And how do we train the athlete to, mm. to experience that when they're riding and running? And I've, I've trained a lot of world-class runners. They're much, much easier to train and strength train, especially um, than triathletes because the, the challenge of three sports mm. and the body position is is super fun puzzle. Mm. Super fun. I love so, the idea of breathe work. You know, you get off the bike at an yeah. Ironman and it's like, okay, you know, the first mile's all about just some deep breathing, you know, that yep. in order to just get that psoas and hip flexors yep. to just open up that by deep breathing, you're actually opening that space little by little. Yes. I like yeah, that. Yeah, and you can't yeah. just do it. You have to practice it. Oh, right? no, no, it no. You want to practice a, in your training. Yeah. But I love that idea of, of then taking yeah. that and putting it into a race scenario. And, and, you know, I always break up my races in, you know, little portions. And you, I would say, you know, this mile's about this and this mile's about that. And you go, okay. I'd imagine like that first mile, you'd start to go, no, it's about just loosening up and deep breaths. Yes. And, yeah. and be tall. You know, yeah. that's why I love that Jan, as of right now, and I'm, I'm kind of on the Jan train, is he's the goat and he's tall. Mm. And I've got a lot of young athletes who are tall yeah. and they, they think that, you know, the little guys have an advantage and I'm like, Oh no, the goat is tall. Like, and <laughs> you can be tall. And even Rini, who's small, you know, I'm like, Rini, run tall, run tall, like mm. get up mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. expand your rib cage. And, you know, my proudest moments are watching people get off the bike and start to run. And mm. I'm like, okay, okay. They look good. This is good. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so you know, mission accomplished. Now just go do, go to work. I love so. it. All right. So I am going to ask you though. Um, I said I wouldn't, but I, I am going to yeah, ask yeah. you some, some best sort of strength uh, exercises for triathletes, even if you haven't seen them and we're not being yeah. individualized here, but are there certain exercises that you do recommend for yes. most? <laughs> you know, it's, it's part of a process. And right now going into the off season, we will build, we will really be focused on, making that athlete a better athlete in the off season. That's when I get to shine with my progressive overload. And the, you know, so the, the shift Mm -hmm. goes from swim, bike, run overload into strength and conditioning overload in the off season. And even if I only get eight weeks with the athlete, they should evolve out of the winter months um, stronger Mm -hmm. than they were. And lower body strength is really, really important. So some athletes who really need to come up a notch to be in the top of their, like, I I love the PTO rankings now because you can say, okay, you're number 57. We need you in the top 40 next year. You know, there's this, there's this measurable thing. Yeah. And, and so if they're outside of the top 40 or outside of the top 50, I would say from my perspective, we need to get them stronger. Hmm. And, um, that is just comes from traditional strength training and progressive overload. Hmm. If I tried to do that in the in season, coaches wouldn't want to work with me. I can promise you, yeah. because the athlete would be sore. Athletes wouldn't want to work with me because they would be sore. Well, they're they too sore to, to do achieve. the heart and lung training, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you're still exactly. going to be developing the engine. After a while, the chassis's got to be built, and now let's really yeah. put some work in there. Yeah. So, so anybody that that really needs to come up a full a full category, um, I will I will go very very traditional strength deadlifting. Um, 
lap pull downs, just the whole system needs to come up a notch. Mm. When you're a little bit more targeted and you're, you know, if you're an age grouper and you're in your top 20 of your age group, um, we can get a little bit more targeted with a lot more of the single leg stability and, and strength, mm. um, glute activation, the ability to, to work on that pelvic position, uh, a lot more of the, the, I used to call it Bulgarian split squat, but it's now rear foot elevated split squat. So mm-hmm. same exercise. But uh, a lot of what I'll do is instead of just putting hands on hips or putting dumbbells in their hands, I'll have them really elevate overhead with mm-hmm. two hands into streamline and do that same rear foot elevated split squat. Um, I use a lot of weight vests so that we don't have to carry uh, weight necessarily. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for an elite athlete, putting 10 pounds on their body um, and asking them to move with that is, is significant. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of lateral and freedom workouts for the athletes that have experienced either niggles or um, specific injuries. It's once you start that conversation in the process around strength training, the, it, those little niggles start to show us what's happening mm. and we want to make sure that doesn't keep happening. So um, just really paying attention to, you know, hot spots well, and back and how can we unload those hot spots? Mm. What, what do you important. think about when, when we say the word core, you know, and strengthening mm-hmm. our core and what are the best sort of things that we should be doing? I'm always, I'm, I, I don't like a lot of the core type work because I don't like the idea of shortening my hip flexors. No, um, no, exactly. But I don't, but like, I don't love uh, the planks. plank. I don't I love hate, the plank. I hate planks. Oh, oh good. On. Okay. <laughs> so I don't love planks and I don't like the shortening of doing like a sit-up No, type no thing. crunch. So, We're not doing sit-ups. So, so yeah, there's what? no, I no mean, there are only... a few crunches, but there are times when they're appropriate um, because athletes might like them. Right. And if an athlete likes a movement, I'm going to do it. Okay. Not a lot maybe, but we'll, and we will undo it. So long through the ribs and the hips. Yeah. The core that I, I don't hate planks. What I do hate is uh, static hold planks. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we do a lot of dynamic uh, movements around uh, planks. Yeah, we yeah. do a lot of crawling patterns, uh, which is a is a dynamic plank movement. Um, yeah. We do a lot of bird dogs um, out of the plank and bear stance, which is just kind of a soft plank. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of Turkish get-ups. We do a lot of recognizing that I will define the core as anything that attaches mid-thigh to shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So yeah. lats, <laughs> yes, yes. Lats, transverse <clears throat> abdominals, psoas, yeah. adductors, glutes, all the hip flexor complex. Um, you know, all of that stuff for me, it's it's a very large space and mm. it matters. Breath work is a core exercise. Deadlifts are a core exercise. You know, coaches, strength coaches love to laugh at people that say, Well, deadlifting is not a core exercise. Oh yeah, lift that up. <laughs> like, yeah, I promise yeah. you, it's a core exercise. It's taking the entire body. I don't know how. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I found to be really good, and and I don't mean to always bring it back to myself, but I, I found just doing chin ups and pull ups has made my yeah. core just so. And I do them very, you know, I do rapid, and then I do slow, and then I, you know, I go up for thirty, down for thirty, whatever it takes. But having to really, it forces me, and to make it, my goal is always Engage. to be to make it look super easy, right? I want somebody that walks past and go has that guy got a band around his feet, you know, helping him get up? Yep. That's my goal. My goal is always to make it look like something's assisting me. And in doing that, when I have that mindset, the entire body has to work together in a, in a really concentrated effort. So I've, I've, I've been experimenting with that myself. It's been I, great. I think that's a brilliant way to describe that. Mm. You know, for your body type mm. and the fact that you've done it as long as you have, it is a great exercise for you. And yeah. I think Laura does them too, doesn't yeah, she? she does. I mean, you she guys does. are like a pull-up family. Yeah, we are a pull-up family, but they're just, they're just we got into them. <laughs> yeah, I think it's something that um, sometimes people aspire to uh, pull-ups. Yeah. Um, and it just is really hard because if you're really tall and you or you have longer arms, like you're putting, you, it, it could be risky. Yeah, right. But if you've been doing them your whole life, like Rennie is probably one of the only be- athletes I back squat. Mm. And it's because she has done it her whole life yeah. and she's really good at it. And so therefore we do it yeah. and she feels good under, under load like that. But yeah. my young athletes, I just, we only front squat. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to finish with uh, just a couple of questions and these are kind of pretty big questions, I guess, but yeah. All right. So what would you tell your 18 year old self if you could go back now? Uh, 
be patient. Just be patient. Mm. It, it'll get better. <laughs> I like that. I like that. All right. Yeah. Who would you want to have dinner with, non-family, living or dead, that uh, you'd love to just sit down, three people you could have around a table? Oh, without question. Barack Obama. Um, oh, my gosh. Isabel Grace O'Donnell. She's like my best friend. I just, uh, <laughs> Izzy, but I, I would want, you know, if they can be living or dead. I would love to have dinner with Isabel right now when she's 25. Like, she's going <laughs> to have way, that's such t- an amazing and Rini, life. Rini's and, kid, everybody, just so you know. Yeah, Rini, Tim and Rini, they live a couple blocks yeah, and I yeah, just yeah. am so lucky because she's like my therapist and my, uh, yeah, we're just buds. And, oh, awesome. and I'd love to, I'd love to include her in that dinner. And then, um, yeah, probably just my dad, you know, he, I lost him about 17 years ago and oh. I think he'd just be super proud of, of the person would. that he created and, and, uh, you know, I live my life yeah. as, as, with as much integrity and kindness and honesty as I can. And as we all do and our parents, you know, you're a parent, that's beautifully it's a big said. responsibility. So I yeah. think he'd be proud and that would make me super happy. Yeah. So. We miss our dads. Big shout out to our dads. Um, yeah. He would be super proud of you and you're absolutely crushing yeah. it. Um, and you're just such yeah. a good human being. All right. <laughs> another one. Um, okay. This one, wh- where do you see yourself in three years? Oh, wow. Yeah. You know what? I love what I do. I have been really dealing with this a lot lately. Mm. Um, I love what I do. I'm going to keep doing exactly what I'm doing. I work with, uh, people who are elite athletes and I am passionate about them living their dreams. I work with a lot of people who are not elite athletes mm. and I want to help them live their dreams. Um, so I am equally as inspired. That's why I think health and human performance specialist, somebody who comes to me and says, I just want to lose 10 pounds within 10 minutes. I have them thinking about not who they are in that body, but what they want to do with it and mm-hmm. how they want to live the most extraordinary life. And they want to climb mountains and they want to ski and they want to play with their kids and they want to play with their grandkids. And they want to be strong enough to throw their kids up over their heads. And, you know, that's, um, that's a role that I've cherished as a professional wow. and, um, you know, wellness and how we age and how we grow old. Um, I think Dr. Peter Atia talks about the, um, the marginal decade and just listening to that. I was driving to DIA and I, and I, he said the marginal decade, everything you do right now today in influences that final decade of your life. And that I, I missed the exit because I was like, that just blew my mind. And I've driven to DIA thousands of times. And I was like, Oh my God, everything we do today yeah. impacts us later in life. Mm. And you know, just being in a little bit older and seeing my mm. parents age and seeing people who are aging well and some who aren't, um, just drives me, man. Mm. And like Taylor, I, I'm so excited for her athletic future, mm. but mostly we focus on her health. She is brilliant that way. She will not compromise. I mean, she'll, <laughs> we'll take some risks and I know her and Ian are going to do some amazing things together, but if she's not healthy, good things aren't happening. Yeah. And then with Tim and Rennie being towards the ends of their career, tons of just so proud to have had such a long run. And now we just, we're talking about, okay, what does your next decade look like? And what's your next decade look like? And you know, they're leaders, they're leaders of our, of our sport and they're leaders in life. And, um, you know, I, I, my role is to keep them healthy and tall and energized. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I think what a great place to end. And, and really, this has been wonderful, Aaron. I, I feel like we could, I think I'm going to have to just have you keep coming back and be a regular on this show because I thoroughly well. enjoyed this, by the way. And I, and I feel like <laughs> we've only scratched the surface of your knowledge. Like I said, even halfway through, I've got so many quotable quotes already that are just, it was just absolutely fantastic. So um, thanks for coming on. What, what, what do you got coming up next? You got any more travel or anything else? What's going on? Um, you know, I've, we've got Abu Dhabi that I'm, so, I, I'm a fan. I mean, like I live my life race to race. So yeah, we've got yeah. Abu Dhabi. Um, I didn't mention this earlier, but Morgan Pearson and I have been working together a little bit yeah. for the last a little bit, and he's coming back from an injury, and he's racing in Chile this weekend. Um, we want everybody to finish strong and and get into the get into the off season. Um, I've had a lot of travel this year because my life has really shifted from managing a health club into pretty much full time 
strength coach. And, uh, so yeah, I've got a, an online business that has Mm -hmm. made a lot of the work that I've done accessible to many, many people. And so, you know, if people have a chance and they want to engage a little bit, EC fit strength Mm -hmm. is a good place to start. Um, so yeah, I'm working hard on making things, uh, just as big and strong as I can from a business perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And and people go check it out, ecfitstrength.com. I'll put that in the show notes as well, but ecfitstrength.com. You can find Aaron there and you've got a team of coaches that you work with and, um, Look, if, if, you, if you're not a fan of Aaron before this show, you certainly are now because, you know, it's not just what you know, it's how you share it and, and what you're doing. It just has been absolutely fantastic. So, so thanks for coming on and sharing all your knowledge. And again, a big shout out and a massive thank you for all you've been doing with the Strength Channel on any question. Not only your content, like I said in, in the intro, but the way that you've created this community um, we, we have a, a strength channel meeting every couple of weeks and there's this community of everybody from NBA and NHL, you know, strength trainers to the greatest endurance trainers. And, and you've got this, you've, you single-handedly have created this amazing, <laughs> beautiful community of wonderful people. And I personally think the strength channel is my favorite channel. Thank you. It's only going to get better. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And there's a competitive nature coming out there as well. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron, thanks again for coming on. This is wonderful. All right, and now everybody can find all the show notes and timestamps at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. Thanks a lot for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode, so subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.